Welcome to Working Girl Talk, where each week we cover the latest headlines the businesswoman needs to know about, and we chat to boss women making an impact in their industry. I'm your host, Abby Zufeld. Hello, I hope you've been having a great week. Can you believe we are heading into August? So crazy. I can almost smell the pumpkin spice, if only. (laughs) Uh, This has been one crazy year and it's going by really fast, which maybe that's not such a bad thing. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're taking care of yourself. I know that this can still be a hard time for a lot of us. Some people may be feeling a little more normal by going back to work, but some people are still feeling the effects. So Working Girl Talk is sending lots of love your way and all the good vibes. So before we dive into today's episode, a quick update. The website for Working Girl Talk is almost done and I am so excited to share it with you. That is all I'm going to say for now, but more updates will be coming soon in just a few weeks when we launch the new website. And today's episode is such a fun one. No news today. I know it's sad because there's a lot going on, but we're just going to get straight to business today and we'll bring back the news segment next week. So today's guest, I'm super excited to share this interview with you guys. We have Kathy Quo. Kathy is an entrepreneur, real estate broker, an investor, and just an all-around awesome entrepreneur. In this episode, we talk about Kathy's entrepreneurial journey, her upbringing that was very entrepreneurial, preparing yourself financially in business, getting comfortable talking about money. That's like what she does. If you're in real estate investing, you know all about talking about money. And we also talk about real estate investing, which I'm excited about because that's something a little bit different. And we talk about so much more. So please welcome Kathy to the show. I'm so excited. This connection was actually made with Lisa Song Sutton, who we had on the show a few episodes back. She made the connection and now we have Kathy on. So please enjoy this interview. Super excited to welcome Kathy Quo to Working Girl Talk today. Super excited to have you, Kathy. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on here. <laughs> well, this is awesome. And we were connected by Lisa, who I had on the podcast recently as well. So loving all these little working girl world connections. <laughs> so just to start off, can you give us just like a really brief intro of who you are and what you do. And then we'll get into all like the details, of course, but just that brief intro to introduce who you are. Sure, sure. So my name's Kathy. I am a real estate broker, investor, and I'm a partner of a brokerage firm. Um, I'm also a small business owner. Awesome. Love it. So you do a lot of different things and where we are is all about where we've been. So we're going to go back in time a little bit in typical working girl talk fashion. What was your childhood like? Where did you grow up? Uh, like kind of that starting point to who you are today. I'm. I was basically raised by a typical Asian tiger mom. <laughs> you know, so first generation immigrants, and I really appreciate that. In hindsight, I think my upbringing really helped shape me for success. Um, I'm a big believer in like the nature versus nurture aspect of things. You know, I strongly believe that nurture and really your behaviors are a product of your choices and your upbringing, what you choose to focus on. For me, it was just hard work was a part of that. <laughs> I grew up in a really like typical immigrant family, like super poor, <laughs> you know, eating like ramen noodles, kind of poor. <laughs> and so we've come a long way from that. I'm a big believer in capitalism, meritocracy, and just that your ambition and drive is really what 
get you to where you are. Um, you know, I don't believe in making excuses. I don't believe that anyone is special or talented in an extraordinary way that puts them at a major advantage. Um, so it's just, that's really my root of my starting. I like, I started working with my family um, as a teenager, actually. <laughs> so while most uh, most kids were out hanging out, you know, they still did that, but my mom would drag me around, look at properties, make me work in her office after school and on the weekends. And at the time, like most teenagers, I hated it and I wanted to hang out with my friends. Um, but in hindsight, I appreciate it so much because I essentially got to start my career probably like five, 10 years before most people did. And that's really what shaped my work ethic and where I am now and how I am where I am at the age I am. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think every entrepreneur like loves and is jealous hearing that like, oh, you got to start so early, <laughs> which is awesome. So can you kind of walk us through a little bit of your experiences in high school leading into where you are now? So what did that career journey look like? Like, did you know from then, hey, I want to be doing this with my life. I want to get into real estate, all of that. How did that path go to where you are now? First business, which was actually an e-commerce business. So it was like totally different industry. I really just, like most young adults, I love designer things. <laughs> um, and so I actually, from my hobby and my passion for wanting a Louis Vuitton and Burberry that I couldn't afford, I looked into sample sales and found out about like sample sales, found out about like outlet sales and started dabbled in a little bit of retail and e-commerce. And it was, it did well. It financed all my expenditures throughout college. I was able to travel. I was able to pay for my tuition, graduated with zero debt and actually $10,000 in savings to travel the entire summer after college. <laughs> um, but, you know, so I did experience other things, but I knew that real estate was really going to be like, the bread and butter in my career um, from talking to various mentors in different industries and from experiencing other industries myself. I mean, I, I, the small business I own is actually a salon and spa. And I took about a year off of real estate to pursue that mostly to work as a consultant. Um, it's my sister-in-law's business primarily. And so I really just took a year off to help her with the business aspect of it and planning logistics, marketing, insurance, legal, um, and from there, I knew for sure I did not want to ever do that again, to be honest. It's kind of like one of those things you have to, it's like dating a guy, you know? Like if you date someone that's awful, you realize, oh, I really appreciate my career. Because for me personally, like to each their own, like she loves that industry. But for me, it just, it wasn't as fulfilling because I'm not that creative beauty type. I'm, I love what I do in real estate and that I'm more of an advisor and a consultant. And so I, I love doing that. I love being able to serve as a resource to be able to help people and to be able to learn about and understand people and their goals and their motivations. Because I work mostly with investors and business owners. And so for me, helping someone achieve their goal of entrepreneurship or their goal of like financial freedom, that that's what I find fulfilling. Yes, I love it. And then how did you end up getting to Vegas? Because I believe you were in Manhattan before. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So I started my career in New York City. <laughs> and right in Midtown, my office was above Grand Central Station. I came here really six years ago for investment purposes and for business. Um, you know, Las Vegas, the local laws here are very landlord, investor, and business friendly. Um, not to say that they take advantage of tenants or anyone else, for, but it's just that it's it's more prone to small businesses. In 
cities like New York, Los Angeles, or San Francisco, you really have to be like a big player to compete. You need multi-million dollar, you know, like really deep pockets. And it's not really supportive of small businesses or mom and pops. And that's like, you know, starting out, that's what I was, you know, I had some success, but just not enough to compete with people, families, companies, publicly traded entities and private equity firms that had, you know, eight, 10 figures, whatever it is in the bank, like, and so that's why I came to Vegas, really just for the opportunity and for the environment here, how it is. And of course, I love the weather. I hate it snow. So. <laughs> it's nice to be sunny 90% of the year. Yes, yes. I know all about the sun here in Arizona. Uh, that's awesome. So I guess kind of going full circle to like your beginning, maybe like when you first got to Vegas or when you first started out on your own in real estate and investing, all of that. Uh, to where you are now, and something that I thought was interesting, um, and my audience knows that I do send a little questionnaire out before the show, that you talked about like the reality of being a business owner and an entrepreneur, that it's really not glamorous. So, and I think that we should be doing a better job at kind of like pulling the curtain back a little bit because with social media, it just you just see like the fun stuff and like the cool benefits of it. So what was, I guess, the most surprising thing about like launching your own thing to you? And like, what would you say to somebody? Like, what's your advice for somebody just starting out who's kind of realizing those, oh, like those like <laughs> more, not as glamorous moments? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a lot more of them than most people care to admit or showcase. And it's really just be prepared, you know, never think you're above anything. You know, there have been times I'm literally in our dumpster at property sorting through recycle so we don't get fined because our tenants do recycling in the garbage, you know? And there have been times where things are trashed and I'm cleaning. There's been times where our properties, um, the sewage line overflowed. (laughs) So I was there on a Friday night at 10 p.m. with the plumber sorting through that kind of stuff. And so there's literally a lot of stuff that's dirty, that's not glamorous. And that's just, on the task that we have to do and we have to think, you know, don't think you're above that. Don't think I'm going to delegate all the, all the stuff I don't want to do, all the dirty stuff, all the boring stuff, all the tedious tasks in the beginning, you're doing all of it yourself and you have to be prepared to do that. You have to be prepared to sacrifice nights and weekends a lot of times to do that. So it's time, it's effort. And then beyond that, you also need to be prepared financially. Um, I think that's a big part that most people don't realize. They're like, I want to go into business because I want to make a ton of money. And I want to, you know, I want to make, I don't understand, I don't like my boss making money off of me. When they don't realize that a lot of times the business owner makes less or nothing (laughs) um, compared to the staff and employees, especially in the first few years. Depending on the industry, you know, on average, I think it's two to three years for a business to become profitable. So not only is your boss often not making money, they're often coming out of their pocket to pay all the overhead, the insurance, the rent, the legal business licenses, a bunch of other things that most people don't think about. And honestly, that's one of the biggest reasons most businesses in general don't succeed is because people don't have enough in reserves. So I would say, you know, really run the numbers and drill down on that and be prepared to make sacrifices whether it's your time or your money like for me personally I live way below my means I probably live like I spend about a a third of what I actually make (laughs) so like you know I, I I've always lived like that and I'm just like really frugal um 
but it's because I've grown up poor. I've, I've seen my parents make it from nothing to something and really embody the American dream. But in order to do that, we made so many sacrifices. So for me, that just instilled in me. But I think that that's the main thing. And don't just go into it for the profit. <laughs> Understanding yes. that like profit is not enough. You have to be passionate about it. You have to have a reason that's greater than just profit or money because that alone isn't going to get you through those long nights, those long weeks, those long months, nor is it going to motivate you to come out of pocket and spend your money when you're like, I came into this to make money, but instead I'm in the hole in the red, like thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars. And that's a common misconception that people don't see the years of struggle leading up to it before the success. Yes, totally. I love that you mentioned that because I think I heard a quote one time. It was like every overnight success was 18 years in the making or something like that. But like, it's so true. Like it's not an overnight thing. And I like that you mentioned having like a passion and plan rather than just going for profit because it can kind of actually be both ways too. You have all this passion, but no plan. And it's like a nightmare or you are just going for profit. There's no passion and you get burned out. Yeah. Definitely. I've, I've seen both. I have so many friends that are business owners. I've been really lucky, like through different organizations. I know locally we have like the National Association of Women Business Owners, which is a great group. Um, and then just through my clients, because I represent mostly business owners, I've heard all their stories and all their <laughs> tales and hardships. So I've seen it not just in my industry, but for everything from like industrial distribution to retail service businesses to offices and professional services everything in between it's it's similar struggles different industries but it's always you know being prepared financially and always having that passion and plan definitely and now that you mentioned the financials perfect segue into something i wanted to ask you about so as a business owner and as a commercial real estate broker who represents business owners you're analyzing and discussing financials a lot like for you for your clients And I think something that a lot of like working women and just like people in general, they are really uncomfortable talking about financials and they don't know where to begin and they're just uncomfortable with that. How have you learned to feel more comfortable with money, talking about money, like any like resource or tip or anything to offer some insight on that? Yeah, well, I'm, for me, I'm a big believer in transparency, like, and just, I think, educating yourself so I spend a lot of time on YouTube (laughs) and TED Talks um you know like so many people have the time to binge watch Netflix but they don't think about like hey why don't I take an hour out of that and watch something educational you know whatever your your preferred source of media consumption is whether it is a podcast or whether it's a YouTube video or a TED Talk or reading an article or book there's so many resources out there on how to just learn to manage your own finances, learn something new, even Google. I mean, it's completely free. We're so fortunate in this day and age. I think it's just a matter of being resourceful. Um, and the, you know, the most successful people I know in general, definitely business owners, but in any industry are just resourceful. I think so many people think, oh, I can't do this because I've never done this, but everyone's never done something <laughs> at some point, you know, like every business owner, if that was their first business, they've never done that before, but what do they do? They took the time to research, to educate themselves, to be resourceful, to ask, you know, ask their friends, ask their network, to read, whatever it is. I think it's just educating yourself because things seem a lot more daunting and challenging when you don't know what you're looking for. 
But I think if you just find a way to understand it, then it becomes a lot less <laughs> stressful and crazy. And you're like, oh, okay, it's not so bad. It's not so bad once you understand it. Definitely. And I think that's so true. I think probably a lot of that like uncomfortableness of like talking about money and getting your finances in order comes from just not even knowing anything about that. Like, oh, I have this great idea, but oh, like I was supposed to set like a business plan and financials. Like people just don't even, they don't know where to begin. So I think that's great advice. I'm a big numbers person, clearly. So I've Googled a lot of like templates on Excel. Like there are easy templates for like, you know, personal, like real estate, if you're a real estate agent, for example, you could go like real estate agent expense template. And then you can figure out what you can write off and what you can't or self-employed freelancer, you know, kind of thing. And so whatever industry you are as a freelancer, you can just Google freelancer expense template and figure out a lot of people don't realize what they can write off. But once you have a starting point, like an Excel template is really simple and easy. And it's really just fill in the blank at that point. It's just that you don't know what you don't know. And you might think, oh, I need these 10 things, but there's actually like 30 things you can write off. So I think just looking up and knowing that these resources are at your fingertips and most of the time free because we're fortunate enough to have Google in our generation. (laughs) Yes, that's a great idea. I like the Excel sheets. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, so speaking of like what you do, let's talk a little bit about, and I know you can't give like specific advice, but like in general, some like investing in real estate, because I think more like working women should be interested in this and are probably thinking about it, but don't know where to begin again. How do you know what's right for you? Where do you start if you do want to start investing in real estate? Sure. Um, yeah, and it's, it's actually one of the most common questions I get <laughs> from <laughs> agents and people in different industries, but I really think it's just, you know, knowing your risk tolerance with any kind of investment, nothing's 100% guaranteed, but real estate is really a mitigated risk, you know, that you can kind of see it's cyclical and that it's calculated. It's not going to go from like 100,000 to zero. <laughs> There's probably a floor and knowing that threshold and also knowing your reserves. Again, it's similar to starting a business in that you need working capital. I think in running those numbers, calculating it in um, and working with like, and a realtor, if you're looking on residential investments or a commercial specialist, if you're looking on commercial properties, who can really advise you on that? Because they'll, they'll be able to, like someone who's experienced is going to be able to help you run those numbers for specific properties, give you an idea of what it could rent for, what your anticipated expenses are from real estate taxes to uh, like repair expenses and all of that in between. You know, there's a lot of ways to start investing. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. And most people, you're not going to put, you know, if you're buying a $100,000 condo, let's just say to start out, you don't need $100,000. <laughs> you know, you might need 25% down for that position and then you'll need the closing costs and then you'll need some working capital. So whatever that, and whatever that feels comfortable, whatever, and it could vary from market to market too. Um, also from the age, there's just so many different nuances, but understanding thoroughly, I think, and just having the representation that's so important. I think a lot of investors, especially if they're coming from another industry, like they're a successful business owner, they want to invest in real estate. They think because they've seen success in the tech industry and in the retail industry that they know everything, but everyone kind of has their expertise. And it's like, just like you wouldn't try to do heart surgery by yourself. Why would you try to navigate the real estate industry by yourself? Especially when agents don't cost you anything out of pocket. If you're a buyer investor, typically, you know, in as far as I know, in most of the U S it's going to be paid by the seller. 
or the landlord if you're a business owner, but you don't have to pay that out of pocket. And it's already pre-agreed upon with the listing agent and the seller. So it doesn't affect the economics of the deal in any negative way. Like you're not going to get a better deal because you're unrepresented. A lot of times you'll get the worst deal <laughs> and you won't be equipped with the proper information. So I would say just, especially if you're considering in America, like I've spoken to investors in Asia and I have spoken to brokers in Asia and a lot of those places, the buyer actually has to pay the commission. And even in that case, a lot of them do pay the commission. So I'm like, when it's, when you're in America and you're fortunate enough to get this service, basically it's like, if you can get a doctor for free, why would you do it? <laughs> you know, why would you do it yourself? That's the way I see it. So really just start speaking with a professional in the industry. If you're interested in investing, a lot of them will be happy to like take a call or a coffee meeting and just serve as a resource for you that a lot of the times I just, you know, give some general advice and they may not buy something for three or five years, but I've made a friend and I've shared some insight and when they're comfortable, I know they'll come back to me. So. Perfect. I love that. And that actually ties in perfect to my next question for you. Being in your industry, you do have to be a people person. You're dealing with a lot of different people and especially when they're making these big decisions. And a lot of my listeners are actually in jobs where they have clients or they're in like situations where they are dealing with people, whether it's retail, selling clients, anything like that. So biggest tip to that you've like learned on dealing with people and different personalities, especially when it comes to helping them make these big decisions? I think it's really just learning and getting to know people. I think the biggest mistake I see people make is that they don't do a consultation first. That's one of the major advantages of being a woman. Women tend to like to ask questions, <laughs> you know, and so we like to get to know people and know everything about them. And I think that's a big difference. That's the difference between someone who's an actual consultant and advisor and someone who's a salesperson. A salesperson is just trying to sell you something that they think, you know, is going to get them the most commission or is going to be great. And they're trying to sell all these benefits. A consultant or advisor actually has your best interest. They get to know you as a person and they get to know your unique attributes, your unique goals and your needs. And everyone, every client, every person is different and they have different risk tolerances. If you're looking at an investor, they have different business goals. If you're looking at business owners and there's no blanket answer, I think to anyone, whether it's on the residential or commercial side, you really just have to step one, take that time, take that hour, whatever you need to actually ask the questions, understand someone, and don't just try to jump into it and throw things and see what sticks. And I've seen that all too often, unfortunately, um, especially on the commercial side. And I've gotten that feedback actually from a lot of clients <laughs> and they're like, you know, it's so refreshing that you actually took this time to ask me what my business goals are. You know, like if I don't know that you're, let's say you plan to double your business size in two years, I'm like, oh, just sign this five-year lease. And then two years from now, you need double the space. And I'll be like, now what I do, I, I need to either break this lease and buy out of it versus if I had known that upfront, I could be like, hey, you have an expansion option in your lease. So, you know, you can expand within this and it won't be considered breaking your lease. Something along those lines, but just really understanding people and asking questions, I think. Yeah, that's awesome. And I like the idea of offering like a consultation because a lot of people, and I, I think that applies to like most every industry, whether it's like social media or marketing or real estate or being a lawyer, like getting that consultation time to kind of see if it's a fit for both sides. Yeah, and I've seen that. I've seen a lot 
and again, like, I think I just have this, like, maybe boss babe tribe, <laughs> so I'm a little bit biased, but I've seen, like, attorneys, like, you know, I have a, I have a friend that's an attorney that has her own firm, and another friend that's, like, a CPA with her own firm, and they do that, they offer the complimentary consultation, you know, whether it's, like, 30 minutes of their time or whatever, but they take that time, and they invest, because then the client sees you're investing your time in them, and you actually care, you don't see them as just a number, and I think that's the, a major downfall of a lot of like people in any sales industry definitely in real estate is that you're all about a numbers game you're just trying to maximize that but people see that people can sense if you just see them as a number or if you genuinely care and I think that's the biggest differentiator for and I've gotten that feedback directly from clients so it's not like I'm just saying it it's like my clients were like you know this is it's a major differentiator it's why like all of my clients on the buyer or tenant side always sign an exclusive with me and in the real estate industry, like a lot of people say, how do you get everyone to sign an exclusive? Like no one wants to sign an exclusive. And I'm like, because I sit down with them for 30 minutes or an hour, get to know them, share my thoughts on it. And it's a win-win for everyone that way. That's awesome. I love it. Such good advice. Okay. So we're going to dive into what has been the biggest learning lesson of your career. So maybe you tried something and it didn't work out or like something that had, you had a big like learning moment that you would want to pass on to someone else? For me, it's like, you know, so with my sister-in-law, um, obviously she's my sister-in-law, I know her, but we also had another business partner at one point. And I think it's just knowing that your business partners are as committed to the business as you are. And I think that goes back to understanding what is required with a business and the investment of time, money, resources, and everything. I think that's great advice because if you're like going into your a business, like like you said, it's like it's like dating someone. It's like a big yeah. commitment. So really making sure that like everyone's on the same page in the beginning. Good advice. Yeah, I love that analogy actually because <laughs> that's the one I always use. I'm like, you know, going into business with someone is like getting married. Like you know, you can date around when you're working with someone, and it's easy to switch boyfriends and switch companies if you're in employee but when you go into business with someone you better know that <laughs> you know your comp your strengths and weaknesses complement one another and you're ready and to be there for the long haul so true i love it awesome well we're going to dive into our last question before the rapid fire so what has been like the proudest moment of your career so far like that like oh like i just like wow like that happened moment like that proud moment for you mm-hmm. um I think honestly, it's probably like starting the brokerage, to be honest, like, for me, this brokerage um, that I started with Lisa, who you interviewed, is like a major passion project for me, I guess, in a sense. Um, It's just, you know, being on the investor side of the table for so long, I'm sure a lot of friends and colleagues are like, why would you do this? Like, it's almost like taking a step back in terms of like, cash flow or things like that. Um, For me, it's just, I see it as an opportunity to solve problems and I like solving problems. I think, you know, that's just something I enjoy. And at the same time, the best businesses solve problems. So for me, it's two problems that I saw. One is as an agent starting out for a number of years, I saw so many brokerages where the top producer was either the broker themselves or the top producer, even if they weren't the broker, they just unfairly dominated the firm. And I encourage and think competition is a good thing when it's healthy competition. But I'm also a big believer in meritocracy. And I don't believe that colleagues within a firm should, they basically should have mutual respect for one another. I've seen a lot of firms where 
colleagues will try to steal clients within a firm where they will, you know, talk poorly about their colleagues in order to steal those clients. And it just, it makes everybody look bad. This is an industry where reputation is really important. And so seeing that and seeing that happen pretty often, not just once or twice, but countless times, um, you know, I've experienced that myself. I've spoken with other agents who have experienced that. I just think like stepping over people or taking advantage of people is unnecessary. Like that's just not the way I think business should be done. Um, and so for me, it's just like, you know, creating a culture where it's not like that, not, not toxic. And there is healthy co um, competition within the company, but there's also a lot of collaboration. You know, there's people, there's ways to educate and empower and work together and seeing our agents as people, like just like I was saying, seeing clients as people, it can be a win-win for everyone. And I think that old model that burn and churn is just not a way of doing things anymore. It's kind of like the blockbuster versus Netflix. Like real estate's such an antiquated industry in that regard. And so I see it as a way to solve this problem. I like, you know, everyone that we've worked with, it's, it's really about quality over quantity. And we've gotten great feedback from our agents and I'm like so grateful for that. You know, we, we both appreciate one another. We all appreciate one another. And we just see it like, you know, it's a, it's a team effort. It's a win-win for everyone. And the abundance mindset is really that there's more than enough business to go around. Everyone can succeed. You do not have to step on others to get ahead. And so that's really, for me, I, I love that I can basically drive change in this industry in a way that I think is much needed and I don't know long overdue because <laughs> of our generation I think you know it, like we're about the same age and people now it's like it's not that culture that it once was where it's like the boss is the leader and the ruler and it's a dictatorship now it's like it's more democratic and it's it's a collaborative effort yeah that is awesome I love that and I think every industry can learn from that mindset too yeah and I, I've been in that and I have so many yeah. friends that I went to business school with that were like that they started at you know, the big five accounting firms. We started at the top investment banks. I started at the top commercial real estate firm in the world. And it's great for like three to five years, but you get burnt out really quick. <laughs> you know, working like 14 hour days and then like, it's, it's, it's crazy. Well, I love that insight. Are you ready to head into the rapid fire round? Sure. So first one, hopefully, I think this should be an easy one. My first job ever. I guess my first job, I'm trying to think actually, back in, okay, when I was a teenager, actually, I had a job. Um, again, luckily, it was like just my parents, um, really, I'm so grateful for that, but I worked at a, as a law, like a legal assistant, I guess, paralegal assistant for a, a lawyer that we used. Learned a lot about reading contracts and patients, <laughs> which helped shape my career. So it's, it's kind of like the Steve Jobs story, you know, how he said he learned a bunch of random things where you're like, why would this ever be useful in my life? But then kind of hindsight is 2020 and everything came together. And so that taught me to get familiar with reading long, long contracts when I was only just 15 years old over the summer. That is awesome. I love that. What a great first job. First thing I do in the morning. Probably just check all my messages. <laughs> Yeah, usually a lot of like text messages, emails, messages through social media even. I don't know, I just am, I'm, I'm one of my weird hobbies is a food blog. Ooh, <laughs> so I, I love it. Friends. Yeah, it's like my weird personal hobby. And I have a lot of friends that I've met, a great network locally through the food blog world, but we tend to communicate via DM. 
Awesome. I love it. My day is not complete without blank. I don't know. This one's a hard one. Let me think. I would normally say like the gym, but it's been closed for two months. So I think that's not not really relevant anymore. It's crazy how our life has changed over the past two months. So true. So true. You can still say gym though. Like I get the Probably water. I don't know. It's really weird, but I drink tons of water. We all need more water. So that's good. Success is blank. So this is something like I actually just posted recently on my Instagram, but I think it's a good heart and good fortune. So I think it's just, it's doing business with integrity and making an impact while making a, a living. You know, like if, if you're just making money and you don't have ethics, you're not helping people, you're not giving back in some way, I don't think that's true success in my opinion. I think, you know, if you have something beyond just money, beyond just financial gain, you need to really see the bigger picture. Perfect. I love that. And do you have a favorite, like a book or a resource, a person, a podcast, even someone that you follow on social, just something that inspired you that you'd want to share? Probably Gary (laughs) Vee. He is like, so, I don't know, just so unfiltered. And I, I love his messages. I mean, he curses a lot and he's like totally unfiltered, but I think that's what makes it authentic and that he can just say things. He has some good stuff. So I, yes, that's awesome. (laughs) And then last one, I am inspired by. You know, for me personally, I don't have kids. (laughs) So it's not like I'm trying to provide for my family kind of thing. It's like, I really believe in in giving back and leaving an impact on the world. Um, I was raised Buddhist. Maybe that's why I went to temple every weekend growing up for years. And so I'm a big believer in that things come full circle and you need to work for something greater than yourself. Like I don't, I don't need the Ferrari or the $5 million house, but like one of my weird long-term goals is starting like an animal rescue. <laughs> I am, I love animals and just being able to do good and help people and leave an impact on the world. That's greater than just your wallet or your bank account. That's what really inspires me personally. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. And then where can everyone follow you? If you have a website, all that stuff. Sure, sure, yeah. Um, so my name's C A T H E Y. I spell Kathy kind of weird. <laughs> Kathy Quo. That's the same on Facebook as two words, or Kathy Quo, like no, no underscore, no dot or anything. Just Kathy Quo on Instagram. Um, I also am a member of the Forbes Real Estate Council, so I contribute regularly to their expert panels. If you want to read about investing or commercial real estate or residential real estate, even I. I offer like opinions and insights and quotes in there. Um, but that's under my like full name, Catherine Quo. So from a legal name. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, that's awesome. They should definitely check out your Forbes Real Estate Council stuff because it is awesome and a great way to start learning about that industry if you are interested in that. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. So fun chatting with Kathy and I hope you found it valuable. I thought she was really inspiring. Before you go, my Friday favorite this week as usual. So this week is a little bit different. Derek Huff posted a dance number to his Instagram this week that he directed and it was choreographed by Tassandra Chavez. And it is just a very moving tribute to all the lives lost to child trafficking each year, which is a really serious and important topic. It's an emotional dance number, but a really important one. And it's kind of a nice way to at least bring awareness to that side of things because it's not always an easy thing to talk about, but dance is very approachable and everyone can kind of feel the emotion in a dance number. So 
very important dance number. Definitely go check it out on Derek Huff's page. That is my Friday favorite this week because it is such an important topic. Thank you so much for listening to Working Girl Talk today. That is our show. You'll find new episodes every Friday. We are here bringing you the latest news in business and all the inspirational interviews with boss women. So keep joining us every Friday. Make sure you subscribe to the show and your favorite podcast app. And do not forget to rate us five stars. That just helps the show get seen. I have been seeing your reviews come in lately and it just makes my heart so happy love you forever and it just helps out the show so much so thank you so much for that i will talk to you next week